Walker Montgomery was a 17-year-old boy that had everything going for him until he died by suicide on December 1st, 2022, after falling victim to a sextortion scheme on Instagram. And now his dad, Brian Montgomery, is trying to prevent this tragedy from happening to other teens. And so Brian is here today to share his tragic but extremely important story and to help parents understand the signs to look for and how they can possibly prevent this from happening to their own families. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Um, I think I ran across your story on foxnews.com and I thought, wow, my audience, which is mostly made up of moms and there are some dads out there too, um, they need to know that this is going on. So let's start from the beginning. Um, tell me about your son, Walker, and everything that has happened. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we always talk about this thing is, I mean, it's, it's almost like watching a movie, you know, it's like a, yeah. uh, something you'd see on TV that you can't, you'd never think it would happen to you just to kind of a normal family, really. I mean, we, our family has been blessed uh, without beyond measure, just to be honest, and really lived what I would think of as a fairy tale life. I mean, been given uh, every blessing you can imagine. And, um, I mean, our, our, our family was very normal. Walker was very normal and we knew that, but obviously when something like this happens, you start questioning everything. Um, but, yeah. um, yeah. we have my wife and I have four kids, two boys and two girls. Um, Carolina's our oldest. She's 18. Walker was 16. Uh, Bennett, his younger brother's 13. And then we have a younger daughter named Sarah. Um, she's 11. So, um, I mean, our story is we, um, you know, raised our kids in church. We've raised our kids uh, to respect adults, to uh, do everything you think that a kid should be raised to do, you know, especially in a world today mm -hmm. where that's a little more difficult than it used to be, it seems, especially my generation. Um, yeah. But, you know, to speak to Walker, I mean, Walker loved football. We we love the outdoors. Some of the pictures you've probably seen of him, uh, some of those that, that you referenced uh, when we were on that interview with Fox, uh, we we farm, we uh, own land, we work, you know, we hunt, we fish. Uh, Walker had a passion for football. Uh, really, that was a passion to develop, you know, about his seventh grade year started really to evolve into something he was really serious about. And and so uh, we obviously supported him in that and, and he was very dedicated to that. I mean, I guess if you could describe Walker in the context of who he was, he had a tremendous work ethic and he was always supportive of his friends and people in school. And something we always loved about Walker is, you know, he was the kid that the parents, the, the teachers were always bragging on and proud to have him in their class. And he was just, uh, he wasn't perfect, obviously. We wouldn't be here if he was, but um, just mm -hmm. nothing that would indicate anything like this was even remotely possible. Um, right. And so... Right. You know, so which makes this so much harder, just the imagination of a kid that has all that going for him. You know, and I think when we I've been doing a lot of speaking at schools and, and churches and, and I know the kids hear me say that and they're like, how, how is this possible that a kid that like you're describing, there's got to be something else. And um, 
you know, just the reality is it's not. I mean, Walker mm-hmm. is exactly who we thought he was. And, and of course, we had a lot of questions. Uh, I'll get into what happened in just a minute. But, you know, we had a lot of questions about, you know, how this what what was going on, because obviously we didn't know um, what happened for a while after uh, Walker's death. And I mean, this just happened December the 1st of this past fall. So, um, you know, all those questions and trying to understand what could have possibly driven him to think this was the right answer. Um, yes. I mean, we, when, when parents, so, so, uh, when, go ahead. when parents hear stories like this, when we come across these kinds of tragic stories, I think the first natural reaction that people have is what you already mentioned. Well, there must've been something else because I think what we're trying to do is that could never happen to me. That could never happen to my right. kid. I'm, too involved. My kid is too normal. He's too social. He has so much going for him. He doesn't fit the typical, what we think or might think the typical profile of someone who would be caught in this kind of circumstance. And so I think that is kind of just the natural response that a lot of parents have because they don't want to grapple with the potential reality of a tragedy like this, um, hitting their family. But what you're describing is someone, a guy who had everything going for him. And yet, you know, unbeknownst to you and his mom, there was something else going on behind the scenes. Right. Right. And, and, you know, the thing that we were concerned about is there was something that had been brewing under the, under the surface that we just didn't know about for some time. And so, Mm um, once we, once we, um, were able to, the FBI and local law enforcement ran all the analysis on his telephone. You know, these kids think this stuff is they they can delete it and it disappears or whatever, and it doesn't. I mean, everything is there, everything is retrievable, and they did. They went through his phone, and what a comfort to us. I mean, it's it's a comfort, but it's also a real fear that parents should have is that once we learned what was in Walker's, because that's the best way to kind of get the perception of if you want to get as close to inside of somebody's mind today, it's with their telephone. And, yeah. you know, what we found was that Walker was just exactly what we thought he was. He was a 16 year old boy that liked to talk about football, liked to talk about hunting, liked to visit with his friends. There was nothing, no depression, no mental issues. We already knew that. But mm. I mean, we just spent too much time with him. We would have recognized that as much time as we were together. My family is as tight knit as you can imagine. Every weekend we're together yeah. during the week, we're playing sports and athletics or we're hunting and it's just always us together. So it was no, there was no space for that to be some reality, even though at the same time, when this kind of catastrophe happens, you're thinking, how is this possible? Something is here that we don't understand. So um, yeah. I think, you know, Walker's case is one that, um, you know, he, he was, he was so scared. And I think we have a hard time, I do I have a hard time wrestling that. And so I try to go to um, stories in the Bible to kind of give me a point of reference. You know, how could something scare you so bad? And and I think about, you know, stories in the Bible where you see these heroes in the faith that were just, I mean, David obviously going against a, a giant. And then you see him running for his life shortly thereafter. How, how can that yeah. be the same person? Well, it's just we're all made in certain ways. And there's certain things that bring a fear about that we can't we can't describe. And that's what happened to Walter. Yeah. So, yeah, um, take us, um, take us to, yeah. take us to the moment. What I imagine was <clears throat> the hardest moment of your life. I'm assuming, um, 
which was finding out that Walker had died by suicide. So take us to that moment and then we can back up from there as you and his mom discovered kind of what was going on online through social media and behind the scenes. So take us, take us there. Yeah. So, I mean, that the night before, um, our, I mean, it was a perfectly normal day. Um, uh, they come off from school. Um, Bennett Walker's younger brother and I went hunting, uh, Walker got home from school, went over, we have a shed right by the pole barn, right by our house. And he goes over there and works out, comes in. I get in from hunting, Bennett gets in from hunting and we just, we're hanging out. We have supper. Uh, we always try to have supper together if possible. Um, Courtney, my wife put them to bed, uh, pray with them. Everything was just as normal as you could imagine. Um, mm-hmm. we, uh, wake up the next morning, my wife and I, we, we have, you know, have some coffee and, and I don't know, about six o'clock and we met each other in the living room and, um, she said, I'm going to go up and check on the boys and, uh, get them ready for school. And Walker just started driving. So he was, uh, he, his birthday was November the 1st. And so he had just turned 16 and, um, he, was you know we he had been he had started carrying his brother and sister his older sister was off at school but uh bennett and sarah was carrying them to school started that you know like i said within mm-hmm. two or three weeks and uh so she went up um goes up the stairs and goes and wakes up bennett and um she um goes into walker's room and sees him kind of laying across his bed and it's like well Ugh. you know the first first glance she thinks you know he's mm-hmm. kind of playing a joke on her because he would do that every once in a while you know yeah um yeah and then quickly realizes that it was not a joke. And um, I guess I could just describe that as complete chaos. And um, yeah, yeah. she screams for me, obviously. And I race up the stairs and I just very hard to describe that, that moment. It was something that no one wants to hear and someone no one, no one wants to see or imagine. Um, as a parent, you can't imagine it. You can't describe it. You can't. Um, there's no there's no measure of hurt that I can describe it as, um, mm-hmm. short of really short of going to hell, to be honest with you. That's what I think of. Mm, the worst thing that a parent can go through. It's one thing for your child to die tragically by natural causes. Yeah. I mean, that's already one of the worst things that a parent can yeah. go through, but for your child to die like this before they've even really come into bloom. I mean, I, I imagine it felt like an out of body experience at the time and that there was probably in, you know, in the beginning, a lot of denial that this is even real. It would almost feel like, oh, my gosh, please, God, just like wake me up from this nightmare. I just can't even comprehend. Yeah, that's a that's that's exactly what was going on for the first couple hours. You know, it was a real sense of this is not real this is a nightmare and we're going to wake up here any minute and even into the first yeah. you know day or two you know and even today i mean to be honest with you i mean it's there's days today where you're especially uh when you wake up it's um you wake up to a reality that okay is this was this is this really happening yeah and um you know you have to and, and unfortunately the the real confirmation is the memories of that morning and um mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I both struggle with that. And uh, Walker's little brother mm-hmm. saw him because uh, he's, he's, they share the upstairs. And um, he, you know, he had a real tough time and still have a real tough time. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the most 
sobering moment still for that morning is, and I, I tell this to kids I see and to, you know, the churches and stuff I go visit is, you know, that morning I can remember it was a couple hours after and we're still just in a tailspin, don't know what to think or do or anything. And Bennett sitting on the couch and um, we're all crying and upset and don't know what to think. And Bennett says, you know, I mean, in, in tears, he says, you know, this was just supposed to be another normal day. And he said that m- multiple times, but this was just supposed to be another normal day. And, and, you know, I think as a society and as a people, we think of every day we think is going to wake up to be just a normal day. Yeah. But yeah. Um, obviously for us, you know, that that idea of normal will never be again. I mean, it's I've got faith that God's going to find a way to bring us to a new place that yeah. he wants us to live in that is mo- more useful to him. But yeah. um the reality of what we were able to live in up to that point, that normal doesn't get to come. We don't get that back. All right, got to pause from that conversation to tell you about our first sponsor for the day. It is a wonderful sponsor, and that is Seven Weeks Coffee. So if you want your money to align with your values, especially when it comes to your caffeine intake, then you should check out Seven Weeks Coffee. Unlike a lot of coffee companies out there, the most popular ones, rather than giving your money to causes that are working against your rights and your values, they are donating 10% of every sale to crisis pregnancy centers around the country. These crisis pregnancy centers are providing resources to moms who are pregnant and are considering choosing life or having an abortion. These pregnancy centers save lives and by the power of God, they save souls. It is so important for every Christian to be supporting these pregnancy centers. One awesome way that you can do that is by supporting and buying your coffee from Seven Weeks Coffee. The reason why it's called Seven Weeks Coffee is because at seven weeks gestation, that little baby in the womb, that little image bearer of God is actually the size of a coffee bean. They've already donated $80,000 in their first year to these pregnancy centers. They're now supporting over 375 centers. Oh my gosh. Just think about the lives saved because of that. If you're going to drink coffee anyway, if you're going to spend your money on, on your coffee, then you might as well spend your money at this company, a Christian owned company that supports some of the greatest organizations in the world. Go to sevenweekscoffee.com. Use code Allie to save 10% on your order. That's sevenweekscoffee.com. Use code Allie at checkout. Sevenweekscoffee.com. Code Allie. Tell us then about the process of figuring out everything that led up to this. Obviously, you're you know him and you truly do. It's not like he was a different person behind the scenes, but there was something going on online that you and your wife just didn't know about. So tell us about that discovery process and what what it was that ultimately led to this. Yeah, so obviously there was. I mean, we went as soon as we called called 911 and police showed up and we I mean, they went through his room, went through everything. But I mean, the investigators even said themselves, you know, for somebody that's we're investigating for this type of incident, this is one of the cleanest, you know, crime scene for a lack of better terminology that they've ever seen. Yeah. You know, there's nothing out of place. There's no, no, no red flags of anything. 
And uh, well, so, you know, we're not really surprised by that. We expect that. I mean, still didn't give us any answers. So uh, they we, obviously we I mean, we had walkers. Uh, that's a big problem pretty routinely is that people don't the parents don't have the kids password to get into their phone. We did have walkers. It was uh, pretty easy to, you know, we we kept that tight. So we had his password. So he, we gave him his password to get into his telephone. They said they were going to download it and start. Um, that was our local law enforcement start the process and and they had software mm-hmm. they pulled um pulled that and so i mean but it's, none of that happens fast i mean so we really didn't yeah. have any awareness of what happened um until after the first of the year like i said that was december the first and um after the first year our local law enforcement said they had found a conversation between walker and someone on uh, instagram and thought that that could very easily have been the cause and we still didn't have any details. Um, our, we started with the sheriff's department because we we're in the county. Then our local um, police department, the Starville Police Department, um, they got involved in the case because there were some other instances of sex extortion that had occurred in our city that they were aware of. And so they wanted to tie that together. And then they brought in uh, the FBI to start evaluating. You know, is this a part of a, of a larger scheme or is this just isolated or, or what exactly happened? So it was... It was March. Um, I'd have to go back to my days, but I think it well, probably not March. It's probably uh, early February before we met with the FBI agent that was on the case. And she came to our house. I mean, I was very impressed with um, her professionalism and ability to, to help through this process. And she went through, um, you know, the conversation that Walker had had with this person with us. And she told us specifically, you know, this was the cause. I mean, there was not anything else. Um, any other evidence that pointed to anything else other than that night. And, and what's interesting, um, you know, and, and it's interesting again, it's very scary that, um, you know, that wasn't, I think sometimes it may get portrayed as, you know, a kid is involved in something bigger or doing something under the, you know, uh, you know, that, that their his parents didn't know about, but this all happened one night. This is not something that Walker had been, doing for weeks oh. or months or years or anything oh, like this that. Was I mean, all Walker the was, span, this was all in the span of, of one evening? One evening. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. So um, about midnight on December the 1st, Walker uh, received a message from someone on Instagram pretending to be a young girl. Um, and the message was just, hey, what's up? You know? And um, yeah. Walker replied and said, hey, nothing, just hanging out. And so that conversation kind of goes back and forth. Um, they reference that they're that they're friends with somebody else that Walker knows, um, you know, a friend of mm-hmm. his, somebody that, you know, he's friends with for school. And um, and they do that for credibility. I mean, this is a, this is a scam. I mean, this is the best way I can describe it. It's a scam, um, but it brings about consequences for the people that are being scammed way greater than the money that they're trying to scam out of people. So, um, anyway, um, they kind of exchange back and forth, just very casual conversation, just like two high school kids would, Hey, where you go to school? Um, it looks like you play football, how's football season going? Just very typical conversation yeah. that finally leads to a conversation of, um, Hey, do you want to fool around? And Walker yeah. um, says, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, let's open a, a video chat in uh, mm-hmm. Instagram, which is, which is a, you know, basically a FaceTime portal through the messaging center in Instagram. 
and Walker agrees. And um, that leads to a sexual encounter between Walker and what he believes is a 15, 16, 17 year old girl, very attractive girl. Um, And um, so that, that lasts for a little while. And then once, as soon as that's over with, I'm knowing to Walker, um, they were recording him with another device from the other side of that connection, which was originating from Nigeria. We later found, um, and in that conversation, you know, you, I always kind of stop there because I want people to think about you, me, I mean, all of us as adults, especially, and even, you know, teenagers that may be listening to this. I mean, just imagine yourself in the most compromising, most embarrassing scenario where you and us, all of us have found ourselves in. And what if that, I mean, for us, it's, it's been kept a secret, right? It's been kept to where the general public and the people we love and care about can't see it. But in that moment, Walker realized that that moment that you and I could imagine was real. And it was in the hands of somebody that wanted to, cause him harm. And I can't imagine that fear. I mean, we were talking about fear a while ago and and that's really, you know, the driving force of this is there was a fear there and that fear of Walker was, you know, what are people going to say? What are people going to do? And and it wasn't good enough for Walker's imagination to wonder what people are going to do. That conversation starts now is very uh, adversarial. I mean, they say, Hey, we've got this video of you. They send it to him. We've got this video of you. And, and, um, if you don't give us a thousand dollars, we're going to send it to everybody that you know. Um, I can only imagine Walker's fear at that point. Uh, but that goes back and forth. Walker uh, says, I don't have any money. Please leave me alone. Um, you know, this is, this is dumb. I'm not doing this. Um, well, that goes, I mean, they continue to build this mountain of anxiety in front of Walker and you yeah. know, we're going to destroy your life. We're going, I mean, they're telling him, you know, what, how people are going to react. If Walker didn't already anticipate that they're telling him, Hey, everybody that you love is going to hate you. Nobody's going to forgive you. I mean, they're, they're just piling it on, you know? And, and finally they get to where Walker's saying, I don't have any money. I live in the country. I don't have anywhere to go get money. I'm 15 years old. Even though he was 16, he said, I'm 15 years old. They said, well, steal the money from your mom and daddy. Walker says, I can't do that. Um, they said, well, if you don't get us the money, we're sending the videos. And eventually they start sending him screenshots of their messaging side of Instagram where they're showing him that they're sending the videos to people in his list. Walker didn't know it, but they weren't sending the videos. They were just showing him that they were sending the videos, yeah. trying to scare him He's to pay the money. this is well, really happening. Yeah. Yeah, they're sending the videos. And now... This that I fear. I mean, it, it wasn't like a lot of these schemes. They try to, they try to, you know, play it out as long as they can to try to get the money. That's not what was going on here. These people were really more of a short term. I know I'm going to get the money, or I'm going to, you know, really put the pressure as hard as we can to get the money as fast as we can. And so Walker is is trying to fight that off. Well, he's seeing now that these videos are being sent, and I know that that fear of what if this gets out is now transitioned to, you know, this is going to get out and it's already out. And how am I going to face tomorrow with everything that I love, everybody that I love and the importance of how people view me and the respect that I have for people and especially adults and, and, and friends, I can only imagine where his mind went at that point. 
So finally, mm. <clears throat> finally they get to uh, there. It looks like they're going down that list alphabetically is what it looks like. The list of his of his followers or friends. And they've I mean, they've obviously done some kind of research, but it looks because they get to my wife's right. name is Courtney and um, they get to her name and they put that message in uh, in there that he's that it's been sent to his mom. And, um, you know, Walker replies, oh. I'm, I'm just going to kill myself. And um, I mean, that's that's what he says to him. He says, I'm I'm just I'm going to kill myself. then. And, um, you know, their response wasn't. Hey, don't do that. We'll we'll get the money tomorrow. Hey, we'll stop. We, we really really didn't send the video. We will though if you don't get us the money. It wasn't anything like that. It was just they had realized by this point they weren't getting paid at least that night. You know they they realized they weren't getting paid that night. So it's a, now it's a matter of let's inflict as much damage as we can. And so their response was go ahead because uh, you're already dead anyway. And I tell that to, for people to understand how little regard for human life these people have they're evil they're they're evil. pure evil they don't care it's it's all about and, and you could say it's all about the money but at this point they realize they're not getting the money yeah. um so they they could yeah. have they could have let they could have chosen to let up and really and realize okay this is we've pushed it as hard as we can push it let's back up because we're not gonna get the money but that's not what they did they they continued to apply pressure and had this just complete lack of regard yeah um i mean so it really is steal, it really is steal kill destroy i mean it, it is, is. The, the worst and most blatant form of the thief satan taking a victim and doing what he does all in one night stealing killing destroying yeah well and he you know i, I it's very difficult to separate the react, their spiritual component of this. I shouldn't say it's very difficult. It just has to be a constant reminder. The spiritual yeah. component of what Satan thought he was doing that night, and mm -hmm. then the people that were involved. Because I mean, it's very yeah. I mean, Satan yeah. is is in one context very similar to how God operates. Satan operates through people, and God does too. So you know, we're sitting here seeing this. You know, these people that are occupied by Satan by you know, this spiritual mm -hmm. fight that we're in and, mm -hmm. and that's, we shouldn't be surprised by their lack of empathy because mm -hmm. they really have no capacity to love. They have no capacity to forgive. They have no capacity to mm -hmm. have regard for human life. Um, mm -hmm. But Walker um, at that point, uh, at some point, um, we're not exactly sure that we know that conversation went on from about midnight to about two o'clock in the morning. Um, he um, he comes downstairs, uh, goes into my office, and goes into my safe, and uh, takes a handgun, goes back up to his room, and at some point, um, he takes his own life. And so, um, I, I I can't I can't emphasize enough the reality of this all happened before midnight of December the first. Walker was 100% just like your 16-year-old kid. He's just a normal 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. And we were living a life that was our best life that we could have never in a million years imagined this happening. Um, mm. But we, I allowed um, 
I allowed a risk to exist in my family. And that was technology that, you know, these phones and, and everything's not, I mean, I'm not that guy that says we just need to put them, throw them away. That's, I mean, God's perception of this world included the technology we have today. When he created the world at the very beginning, all the same capabilities were here in day one as they are today, except we know how to use them now. So this is not a surprise to God. This is not some, he woke up today and said, what I'm going to do with the internet. Um, but as parents, I did not understand the risk that came along with the technology I was allowing my son to have in his bedroom that night, bottom line. Okay, next sponsor for the day is Naturally It's Clean, the company that you guys are always asking me about because I'm posting about it on Instagram because it really does work. Their cleaning products are safer for you and your family. They don't contain any harsh fragrances or harsh chemicals. And yet they are like hospital grade strength. They use plant enzymes to accomplish that combination of being safer for your family and for your pets, but also being incredibly effective. I love their multi-surface cleaner has no fragrance at all. I love their carpet cleaner, which is really strong and works. And also another favorite is the stain remover. If you're a mom like me, you are always removing stains from clothes. The other day I had to remove mud from the bottom of pants and I used the stain remover and the stains came out. I was so pleased and I really wasn't sure because these were these were really set in stains and yet naturally it's clean is just amazing. If you go to naturally it's clean.com slash Allie, you can save 15% on your order. That's naturally it's clean.com slash Allie, save 15%. See if it works for you. I know that you're going to love it. Naturally it's clean.com slash Allie. So I've, I've seen you say, um, give a recommendation to other parents. Don't allow your children to be alone with a phone in their bedroom, especially at night. So not that I'm trying to get you to go back and, you know, work out mm. all of your regrets yeah. and what ifs, but, you know, just for the sake of warning other parents, like what, what would you have done differently? Like what kind of regulations or restrictions or boundaries do you think parents should have in place to at least try as much as they can to prevent something like this from happening? Yeah. So the, the reality today, you know, if I could, if I could go back, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that comes back to us to a spiritual question too, but I mean, just the reality of very practical safeguards, there's not anything good that happens from 10 o'clock at night till six o'clock the next morning. Um, there's, there's not a re there's not a reason if, if, if our kids can't communicate with their friends during the day from normal business hours, so to speak, um, there, there's nothing that's going to happen between 10 and six that is that necessary that they need their phone with them in their bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. especially for young men. So we're talking about 13, probably even a little younger than that now, but at, at least yeah. you know, 12, 13 um, through 18 uh, the access to information and to, I mean, specifically pornography um, on a cell phone. As a 16-year-old, I can remember if I'd had full access to unlimited content that looked that way and it was that vivid and was that real and was real. Um, I know what I would have been doing and most other men, if they were being honest, would admit to the yeah. same thing. Um, mm. And so the the difference is that the reason that most of us don't as men don't don't 
provide more conversations with our sons about that is because we can look back and say, well, it really didn't hurt us that bad. I mean, we would, we would look at magazines mm-hmm. and other things and, and it wasn't, it, it led to a warped perception of uh, how we viewed a relationship with our wife and a warped perception of how we viewed women, which is all bad, but um, it didn't lead to what we're talking about here. And so what we're talking about here is a, is a world where the worst predators on this planet can have access to our kids. Mm. That wasn't, that wasn't a dirty magazine. Okay. So I didn't understand that as well as I should have. And so back to your original question, I mean, there is nothing in this world that would be unreasonable about a, a mother and father having oversight over technology, over their kids, especially as long as they're in their home and they're paying the bill. So if I could go back, I would say between 10 and the next morning, the phone comes in my room and I'm going to observe some of the things you're looking at. Now, I will tell you that in this world of technology today, that's a difficult task, even if a parent wants to do it. We're learning that uh, it's very intentional that tech companies and these device manufacturers don't want parents to be involved in their kids' content. Uh, They want to keep us from seeing what they're looking at because they want straight, direct access to our kids so they can persuade them in their own persuasions. And some of that's due to just pure, I want to push a narrative. Some of it is um, strictly around economic access. And so um, back to that question, what would I do? I mean, parent parental oversight is a necessity in this world we're living in today. There's too many things that can reach our kids and too many messages that you don't want your kids to to hear about through that device. Um, That would be something Mm -hmm. that I would have done more aggressively if I don't know the dangers. Um, Yeah. And you know, so so now we're working hard to try to you know find ways to support legislation to require tech companies to. I mean, you know, I say, is, was it unreasonable? Would it have been unreasonable for Instagram to not allow an IP address originating from Nigeria that anybody could have looked at, any adult could have looked at, with any kind of you know tech background and seen that it was a fraudulent account? Um, from accessing my son's my son directly message, you might be my son's direct message without passing that through me. That's not unreasonable at all. Um, mm. But right now, mm. that's that's a fight. So um, yeah, we're we're working hard to try to figure out ways to to fix that. And so the FBI looked into this looked into this story. Obviously, revealed to you mm-hmm. this is exactly what happened. Is there not, I mean, is there any criminal liability here? The people who scammed your son, are they going to face any charges, any consequences for pushing him to commit suicide? Um, You know, the FBI is very confident that if they find somebody, they're going to charge him. Um, The question remains whether or not we ever find them. I mean, this, that's another aspect of the internet is it's, it's been created in such a way that you can perp- perpetrate crimes and there's almost, it's very difficult to track them. So today, mm-hmm. um, we're still optimistic. Let me put it that way. Uh, without going to a ton of detail of what the FBI is doing and not doing, I, a lot of it, I don't know. I just know that they're working and they're working with the Nigerian government to try to bring this, um, bring these people to justice. And the reality is Walker's not the only one. I mean, you couldn't believe now that um, I've been, you know, in these conversations, 
I mean, this week I've had three calls from parents, three calls this week that have messaged me through Facebook or a connection through a podcast I've done and sent them to me of parents who's in the majority of it is, is, is young men. Um, yep. You know, three different occasions this week of young men that have been extorted and they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, yeah. This is not, this is not there easy a, to spot. It's not easy to prevent. Yeah. Yep. There was a similar story that CNN reported last year from May, 2022. There was a boy, 17 years old, just a very similar story here. Straight A, stu- straight a student, boy scout. One of those guys, again, seemed to come from a great family, had it all together um, from San Jose and same kind of thing. A girl seemingly on Instagram, you know, asked to exchange photos. They did and then asked for $5,000. And he actually ended up being able to transfer the money to her. And that's the thing. It's not, it's not enough. He transferred the money and then he actually emptied his college savings, transferred all of them to this girl and still, you know, they didn't let up because it seems like going back to something that you said that it's not really about the money. Like it's about the destruction. Mm. It's about the life ruining. And this young boy, again, he also died by suicide. So as you're saying, Mm. this is common. It's destructive. The point is uh, destruction. The point is to ruin lives. And do you think that parents, if even if they have restrictions on their children and even if they have as much oversight as possible, do you think that they should be having these kind of proactive conversations with their daughters and sons to say, look, here's what a scammer looks like. Don't ever send these kind of photos or like, what do you think that kind of uh, proactive interaction between parents and teens should look like when it comes to this? Yeah, I, absolutely. So what I've, what I've, seeing and what we're finding is so I'll give you another example. So I spoke to a dad, it's been a month ago or so now. Um, he had right after I did that Fox news interview, um, he brought his son in and said, Hey, look, this is what's going on. This is what you need to be watching for. Be careful of this. And, um, this is what's happening. This was a town not far from where we live. So, I mean, it was somebody, you know, we were obviously local to him, local enough that he, it was a, it was a very local example that he could give his son. Well, that was say on a Tuesday at that conversation. Well, by Saturday morning, he and his wife are gone to town and the son is at home and he falls for the scam. And yeah. once he falls for it, he goes and gets him $500. He pays them. They want 500 more dollars. Well, he remembers, you know, the conversation his dad had with, you know, about us. And he, he at least recognizes that he's in enough trouble to call his dad and say, Hey dad, I'm, I'm in big trouble. And, yeah. um, you know, that's a win. I know a lot of parents, the yes. parents I'm talking yeah. to, you know, they're, they're just strong. They don't know what to do. don't know what's going to happen if the content gets out. Uh, but understand that that is a win. That's what I told the dad. I said, you have no idea what I would give for that opportunity yeah. you have to make this as an, mm-hmm. as an, as an learning experience for your son. This is not the last mistake he's going to make. This is it. I mean, he's, he's sitting there walking around with a, with something in his pocket every day, that telephone that yeah. is filled with opportunities to make mistakes. So to answer your question, you know, what I hope happens is that parents, if nothing else, just show them if it's an interview like this, if it's a podcast, if it's me on, on my Facebook page somewhere, show them somewhere. And this is a good lead into this conversation because I tell kids, you know, the, the ideal scenario is you don't step in the trap. 
Because Walker stepped right in the middle of the trap. He got as deep into it as he could get. And that's the thing. I think, you know, the way this is described so many times is we the, the, the sextortionists, they want them to exchange pictures. And that is the case sometimes. And that's problematic. But I want people to understand that for the majority of these, it's not pictures. It's a video. It was a video mm. of Walker. Okay. And the video was was not good. If you could imagine what the video was, he was on his yeah. side of the of the connection. And and I, I don't want to get too far into the deep water on that, but I want people to really understand this is not a simple picture of Walker yeah. nude. It's really this is a video. This yeah. is explicit. Right. And so it's not like yeah. when we were in our generation that you could if you were caught doing something, you could deny it or whatever. Yeah. This is this is Beyond that, this is and this mm-hmm. this induced a fear that I can't imagine. Really, I can try to imagine because what if all of a sudden, as a professional, as somebody that is running a business and a family and involved in church, and all those people that are looking to you to have a higher standard, all of a sudden they see this. What's that going to do to me tomorrow if I wake up to that? That's what Walker was faced with. That's what these kids are faced with. So the fear that it induces is something more than just a picture. Yeah. And um, so the conversations yeah. needs to be that kids look, this is something that is very serious and that you could fall for very easily. I tell boys, I tell when I go to the schools, I tell them, I say, look, boys, your, your blind spot is that you have a physical need for sex. You do girls. You have a, you have a need for attention and people telling you you're valued and mm-hmm. affirmation, that's your blind spot. And so mm-hmm. what they're doing with the girls is they're extorting them for content. Mm-hmm. So once they get them hooked, they're because reco- that's what we expect Walker was looking at. We think Walker was looking at it as a, at a video of a girl that had been extorted. And so the girls are paying by supplying them with content and the boys have to pay them money. So um, it's it's a trap. But this is, you know, yeah. this is, I tell people, this is the trap of today, you know, in a year, maybe we get our hands around this. Maybe we, you know, get to the point where we can prosecute some people and slow it down. But right now, the yeah. only defense that we have is awareness. That is it. Your kids have got yeah. to know this is there and you got, they've got to know it. It's rampant right now. So this crucial conversation is reminding us of the fragility of life. We're just not promised tomorrow. And that is why I work with this company called Epic Will. They are a company that, again, aligns with your values and my values. And they understand the importance of being able to take care of your family even after you're gone. That's why it's so important to have a last will and testament. But so many people don't, especially people that are our age. They think death is a long way away or they hope or assume that it is and they just don't prepare. And so they leave the family members behind having to scramble to take care of their kids. You don't want that. A great gift that you can give to your family is a last will and testament. And rather than going through all of the complication, uh, complicated processes with uh, attorneys and paying those attorneys fees, you can just go to epicwill.com. They make it as simple as possible. For only $119, you can create a last will and testament in under five minutes. It's really incredible. They give you the template, all the information that you need. Also, if you're a single mom, 
and you've got kids under the age of 18 in your home, you get this service absolutely for free. They just got a special heart for single moms. So they want to make it not just easy, but also incredibly affordable for you. If you go to epicwill.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E, you save 10% on your already very affordable complete will package with Epic Will. So epicwill.com slash Allie for 10% off epicwill.com slash Allie. Well, the fact that you and your wife, that y'all are still standing, that y'all are still here after enduring the worst tragedy that I think any parent can possibly imagine, that in itself is, I think, a miracle of God. And then that you are also going into the pain that I'm sure would be easier to just kind of shut away. And you are sharing that with the world in the hopes that you will help other parents avoid this pain. That I think is a testament just to the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Lord to be able to redeem seemingly irredeemable situations, to make beauty out of the ashes, to intend for good, something that Satan only intended for evil. God is in the business of redemption. Satan hates that. And so I'm very appreciative of you for being obedient in that, but I want to hear some Like, how has this been from a spiritual perspective, from a faith perspective? I'm sure that there are moments that it's not just like, you know, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share with other parents. I'm sure that there are some really dark moments. But if you could give some encouragement to parents who have either gone through this or maybe their child died by suicide for another reason, whatever it is. But there are a lot of parents who have been through a similar situation of loss. How have you worked through this as a Christian? Yeah. So, I mean, I would tell you that, you know, my faith has been all over the board. Um, you know, I, I, I and, and I think there, I mean, I think there's a, when I say all over the board, I think it's a matter of, you know, um, I've got a question. Okay. The number one question is God, you could have, you could have stopped this. You could have, yeah. uh, no doubt. I mean, this is the same God we serve that, um, if he's able to handle my salvation for eternity, he's able to stop Walker yeah. from pulling the, pulling yeah. the, gun, pulling the trigger yeah. on that gun. Um, but he chose not to, and he chose not to for a reason. And, uh, that reason yeah. is, is ultimately for our good somehow. I know that this temporary separation from Walker is temporary. Um, but in the meantime, what Satan did, um, is he didn't, he don't under, he don't, he may not realize he did, but, uh, God's got a plan, not because I've got some special strength or anything else, but, uh, through us, God is going to, bring some people to himself that he wouldn't have otherwise. And um, we know that, but that is, you know, some days that's comforting. Some days it's not. Some days it's, I don't really care. I just want Walker back. And, and, and really to be honest, every day, if I just want Walker back, but you come to a quick reality that that's not going to happen. And so this is our reality. And in, inherently I will speak for myself and my wife, us personally, we're fighters. Uh, if I could, I'd be in Nigeria fighting somebody, but I can't. Yeah. And I understand that the fight is not with people, it's with Satan. It's with a spiritual fight. And God's God, God comes across, people think about God in the Bible is is this and he is. He's this loving, forgiving, meek God. But when he comes back, he's coming back with a sword. He's not coming back yeah. as a lamb. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And yep. I see that fight that we have in front of us, and it is with a spirit. It is a spiritual fight, 
And the mm-hmm. only way to fight that is with love and helping other people see that I don't want you to fall into this, but take it serious. You know, it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, from a, from a spiritual perspective, yeah. just knowing that, that God is right there with us every step. He tells us not to be afraid, tells us to be courageous and continue to fight this fight. And that's what we plan to do. Yes. And amen. We talk a lot about Psalm 37 and that's always a comfort to me whenever I'm considering just, you know, personal evil, you know, in our own lives or just the public evil that we see kind of ravaging our country is that God is not doing nothing. That as you said, one day he will come back and he will repay all of the evil that has been done. He will do away with all of the wicked and the evildoers. He will come back with a vengeance. Um, and one day he will take care of all of it. And we can rest secure in that. In the meantime, he has this incredible ability to redeem the darkest and the most depraved things that happen here on earth somehow in some kind of mysterious way Mm -hmm. for his glory. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful that you're willing to share your story and gosh, I was touched by your just ability to be able to share it. And I know that other parents will be too. Um, I also just want to give people, we're going to link in the description of this episode there, the DOJ, they have a list of kind of do's and don'ts when it comes to mm-hmm. finding yourself or your child finding themselves in a situation of sextortion, the things that you're supposed to do as a process and not do. And so we're going to link that just so people have that resource. Um, but is there any is there any other resources that you would recommend that people can connect to just for more information about this? Yeah, I mean, not really as it relates to sextortion. I would, I would tell them that's a great resource you just described. Um, there's a should be a one uh, eight hundred number to call on there for help if you're in that situation and need help. I know of a kid that actually called that number and it, you know, is what saved him. Um, you know, yeah, and wow. so definitely in that scenario, do that. If you would go to my Facebook page, it's just Brian Montgomery on Facebook. I was, uh, I've got a message on there from Walker's funeral. Um, you know, it's a salvation message. If people doesn't, don't know Christ and they want to understand where that hope comes from, that's that's on there. Um, and we're planning on in the near future starting a nonprofit to start promote um, safe online activities for kids and try to figure out ways to hopefully promote legislation, support yeah. legislation and give parents some tools to try to help them start to come alongside their kids. Because we've crossed a, we've we've crossed a a line in the sand, so to speak, of the dangers that we're facing. And, and I mean, it's kind of like at some point in time, this country agreed that there needed to be a age limit on drinking alcohol. And, right. um, you know, there was a time I'm sure where there wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so yeah. uh, I feel like we've crossed that point. Nobody wants to acknowledge it and admit it because we're all addicted to it, but, yeah. um, we've got to admit it. We've got to, we've got to figure that out or else with the, some of the technologies coming down the line with uh, AI and some of the things that are about to happen. If we don't get our hands around this, our culture is going to have a major shift and we're not going to be happy with the outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for your advocacy. I really appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time to come on today. Thank sure. you so much. Yep. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Alan. Thanks. Thanks.